Welcome to episode two of the Portland Pilot Alumni Podcast. I'm your host, Brant Miner. I'm a 2006 alum and was a member of the men's basketball team. Our guest today on the Portland Pilot Alumni Podcast is Rachel Rapino. Rachel was a member of the women's soccer team from 2004 to 2008. Now I got to get ready because this is the mouthful. During Rachel's time on the bluff, she was named all WCC second team was an academic all-district third team, an NSCAA scholar all-American second team, WCC all-academic team, soccer buzz West region third team. And during Rachel's senior season, the promising start was derailed with a knee injury after just four games. Since graduation, Rachel has traveled the world using sport, as a humanitarian effort and a vehicle for change in communities of need. She has since started her second business called Mindy. I'm excited to get this thing going. So without any further ado, Rachel, welcome and thanks for joining. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on a UP alumni podcast. Well, we're, I know I'm excited that I get to share the same alma mater as Rachel Rapino. So um, Let's get started right there. Talk to us a little bit about why you chose University of Portland. I know you're from Redding, California, Northern California, but how did you choose the University of Portland? Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, there was kind of several factors that went into it. As you know, I have a twin sister, Megan Rapino, um, and Megan was quite a shy kid in high school. And so she really wanted to go to the same school. So our junior year, we kind of announced to the public that we're going to go together. So basically, if you don't want both of us, then don't recruit any of us. Um, I really wanted to get out of California. I was definitely like itching for a new experience and just a new setting and landscape and culture. Um, Megan really wanted to stay on the West Coast. So, you know, we visited a couple of schools in California, but I really just like fell in love with the state of Oregon we immediately felt at home when we came on our visit to UP, particularly like with the team. Um, I think the UP women's soccer team is especially known for being like very close, kind of a tight knit family, um, a lot of sincerity. So like immediately we felt connected and accepted by the team and it was just like genuine fun. And then on top of that, like Portland in general in the Pacific Northwest was unlike anything we had ever seen growing up in California. So we just fell in love with the landscape and the fresh air and just obviously Merlot Field is the most gorgeous field in the country. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a mix of all that. But I would say like the the novelty of being in the Pacific Northwest and the beauty of it and then just like the, the genuine um, acceptance and comfortability we felt immediately with the team. Awesome. Definitely. I feel that same thing. And there is no better field in the country than Merlot. I mean, just the drum squad, the atmosphere at those games. I know my freshman year, um, the women's team won the national championship, which was just an incredible experience to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't as big of a part of it as Christine Sinclair. <laughs> but I felt like just the whole university rallied around the sports teams and there was a lot of athletes so we got to know each other because you see each other in the training room yeah and obviously it kind of started with Clive Charles um, who I got to know a little bit my freshman year um, an incredible coach an incredible man um, but that that was just 
amazing for me. Now I'm in coaching. And so to learn and see somebody that was an exceptional of a coach as Clive and the legacy, I mean, the little things like you clean your boots, right? You keep your shoes clean. You do all those little things. Um, that was awesome. So, and yeah. we're glad you did pick the University of Portland. I know we got to spend some time together when we were students there. So what yeah. about your favorite athletic memory? Talk to me about what was your favorite memory as a athlete, as a women's soccer player at the University of Portland? Well, I mean, I think of course, I gotta say the 2005 national championship, um, you know, being a D1 athlete is a privilege in itself. I think like less, it's like less than 1% of the population actually has the talent to go play D1. Um, and so then, you know, you're already a part of a very small demographic of people. And then to win a national championship, I mean, that's what everyone wants when you play at that level. So very few people get to win a national championship. And it's, it was an honor to do it at UP and we had an undefeated season. I mean, arguably we were inducted into the Hall of Fame as one of the best teams ever. So, um, you know, and then to win our second one at UP, such a small school going against like such Goliaths like UCLA and Penn State and Stanford. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I would say like the 2005 national championship, you know, in itself was amazing. That whole season was definitely unforgettable and something that we still experience today. Um, being one of the best teams in NCAA history. So I'm, I'm probably gonna go with that. You know, unfortunately I had a lot of injuries at UP, which was such a bummer. Um, you know, another, another exciting like memory or moment for me was when I switched from defender to forward. And I think spring of 2007, no, it was it 2006, spring of 2006, I switched up top and did really well. And that was sort of like my breakout season. And then going into the fall, um, you know, it was just fun to be able to play up top. Unfortunately, then I, you know, for my ACL and, and forward again. So I couldn't like have a full season playing forward, but the short stints that I did have, it was rewarding for me. That's awesome. National championships, you're right, rare. It's the 1% that get the play division one. And it's, so it's a far, far, far less number that get to win a national championship. And like you said, we're alumni from a pretty small university that's to be a division one school and to beat North Carolinas and Stanford's and Penn State and those schools that are huge. Mm -hmm. it is, that is an amazing accomplishment. And we definitely should have worked that into the intro that you are a national champion. You <laughs> are in the Hall of Fame. And yeah. all that. so thank you for that. And congratulations on that. Talk to us a little about a non-athletic moment. Was there anything that stands out to you about your time on the bluff that didn't have anything to do with the soccer field? Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know that I can pinpoint one specific moment, but I definitely think, you know, college in general is mostly, usually the time where like you really find yourself and, you know, going into college, I didn't necessarily have the language um, for my sexuality, but, but, you know, going through my four and a half years at UP, I definitely found myself coming to Portland where there's a lot of diversity, a lot of different types of people here. I didn't grow up with that and being, you know, being from Reading where it's a very small rural, conservative, like homogenous town. Um, but I kind of always knew that I felt different. And so coming to UP, like it just, I knew right away that, um, 
whatever I was feeling inside, I was going to find it here in Portland. And it took a few years for sure, but I ultimately found myself up here in Portland and at the University of Portland. I had great teammates who were just kind of along for the journey. And I was very fortunate to have Megan, who um, obviously is so gay and so kind of like going through the unveiling process of your identity with her was really healing. So, you know, I would say like, I found myself up here at the University of Portland and in Portland in general, and I will always be grateful for that. That's awesome. I love that you were able to find yourself and be able to explore those things. And that is something that is amazing about University of Portland. It is so accepting. And the people there, I know Pooh Jetter was our first guest on this. You're number two. So you're up really high up there <laughs> on our list of successful alumni. So just, and we talked about that same thing with him, that he never felt like he was outcast as a black student athlete. So I do think that is one thing about how welcoming the university is of people of all, you know, backgrounds and nationalities and sexualities. I think that is really important. What about, have you been back to campus? Have you seen any of the amazing upgrades on the facilities there that they've done? Have you had a chance to visit campus at all? Well, so I came back and, and was the performance coach for the women's soccer team in 2018. And then half of, I did a spring season in 2019 and then eventually left to start Mindy. Um, so I saw the Bochamp Center, which is incredible. I saw, we obviously practiced on uh, the below practice turf and grass fields. So I've seen some upgrades to the facilities. The Bochamp Center is so beautiful. I definitely beautiful. wish that we had access to that when I was still playing. But I haven't seen, and I saw the new cove and all that, but I, I know that there's been some more buildings that have finished since I left in 2019. And I, I wanna go back and visit them. I was definitely planning on going back last season uh, to a few of the games and obviously that didn't happen because of the pandemic but I'm excited to see some of the new developments. They have done that Beauchamp's I mean little upgrade from Howard Hall. I love Howard <laughs> Hall. I have some great memories playing basketball in Howard Hall but yeah it is state-of-the-art. They did it right. They didn't they didn't cut corners when they, they did built not cut corners. Yeah they did I it mean right. we didn't work out in Howard Hall as much but I would swim there for sure. Um, you know, there's some memories there. I definitely would have preferred working on the Bochamp Center though. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. Those memories of just the dead spots on the floor. Oh my I, gosh, yeah. It was, it was a fun place. And especially when you were like working out below and people were playing either basketball or so dodgeball up top. It was so loud. Like literally, I remember just fearing that the, the floor or the ceiling was just gonna cave in on me as I was like doing a spin workout. Absolutely. I do remember how loud it was when you were downstairs listening so or doing anything. But well, let's talk about a little bit what you've done since graduation. So I know I'm fumbled through that intro about you traveling the world, doing humanitarian work and using sport as a vehicle for change. But talk to us a little bit about that and then we'll get to Mindy. But talk to me a little bit about your experience as helping um, using the game of or soccer sport to make the world a better place? Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, obviously it's, it's uh, no secret that sport can be used as a wonderful and powerful vehicle for change for youth, for women, for whoever. Um, it's afforded me so much opportunity in my life. I've been to Indonesia and done like soccer clinics, uh, not so much for the kids, but to empower female coaches and more female leadership in Southeast Asia. 
And then I built some soccer academies over for Darfur refugees in Chad on the eastern border of Chad. And really, again, like using the power of organized sport to give kids hope, to instill discipline, to camaraderie, um, you know, all of those like wonderful characteristics that that we all got from sport and take for granted, quite frankly, because so much of the world doesn't have organized sport. And it really is a powerful tool um, for young kids and developing young kids. So I've fortunately been able to do that. And then I had Rapino SC, my business. Um, it was a training business here in Portland. I ran that for six years and trained like elite soccer players, obviously college players and professional players. And then my sister and I had a, a national training event business under the Rapino SC umbrella. And we would do like 10 to 12 one day events a year all throughout the nation. Um, and again, like really just using the power of soccer and the power of influence to, you know, affect positive change in young kids' lives. Because most of the time they don't have access to Olympians like Megan and D1 athletes and entrepreneurs. And just like seeing females, in, you know, in leadership roles and as entrepreneurs is so powerful for young kids because representation matters, right? Um, and then we had a small apparel business. And then since then I've got my master's in health and exercise. And I've always been kind of like a biology science nut. Um, and I started Mindy in 2019 and Mindy is, uh, it's another sports brand. I'll definitely never leave the sports industry, but we sell cannabis derived and all naturally derived pain management and recovery tools for athletes. And That's so awesome. Been, yeah. Running that since 2019. So we're in our year two right now. That's incredible. I think that is something that's so misunderstood and just, there is a lot of pain as an athlete, I think, you know, and how do you handle that? How do you deal with that? And to do something like you're doing, um, I think that's incredible. I, I love that. How, how was that affected during the pandemic? How was the business? How did that go this last year? How have you, I know we talked before we started recording that you're growing, you're hiring, Tell me a little bit about how, how that's gone this last year and a half, two years. Yeah, I mean, it's been tough for sure. I mean, it, we came to market late 2019. So really 2020 was our first full year in market. Um, you know, and to have it be a pandemic year during your first year in business is definitely tough. Um, luckily, we have three of us co-founders, so we can get a lot done for sure. And we had just closed our, our first round of financing in March. So like right when the pandemic hit, we had... We had closed the round, so we had capital to work with for the entire year. But, you know, I think that's the beautiful thing about the plant in general, cannabis and hemp, but also just plants and all natural remedies in general. It's like they they help with pain, inflammation, stress, anxiety, sleep, all things that most people struggle with, not just athletes. I mean, athletes, again, like they're the center of their influence. Uh, they're, you know, they influence like the, the, the broader uh, cannabis consumer. Um, and they can be like our vehicle to get cannabis products out to the broader consumer. But, you know, ultimately everybody struggles with pain and inflammation and sleep deprivation and stress and anxiousness. And that's what these products really help with. Um, so during a stress-free year like 2020, it was pretty easy to market our products and to make them relatable to what everyone was going through. And luckily cannabis was deemed essential pretty much right away. Um, so, you know, I think, yes, the pandemic made it harder, but it just in general, it being the first year of us running the business, there was just a lot to do. I mean, you're laying the whole foundation. So coming into this year, 
still very busy, but a different type of stress and busyness. Cause at least we have like a year of foundation to work off of, you know? That's great. Um, I think it is so important what you're doing and I love the female entrepreneurs and leaders, young ladies. I have a daughter. I know I'm going to try to get her around you and Megan just because you guys are leaders and there is, um, a notion I feel like kind of in our country that, Oh, you're just, a, you're just a woman. And to see you guys thrive and to see what you were doing in Southeast Asia, empowering women leaders. Um, it's awesome. So thank you for that. As I speak for my daughter too, I know she yeah. needs people to look to that are, you know, doing big things and changing the world and nobody can put a limitation on what my daughter can do. And obviously you guys have been just exceptional role models and blowing, blowing the roof off this thing. So thank you. Let's talk a little bit about that. What was it like growing up? I know Megan also a University of Portland um, graduate. Yeah, yeah, so alumni. An alumni, We're, we'll have to get her on here, but we wanted to go with you first, but talk to me a little bit about what it's like growing up with a sister that is such a standout athlete and such a now public figure in our country, in the world now. So what was that like growing up with Megan? Well, growing up, um, she wasn't so much a standout. I mean, like I said, May was like pretty shy in junior high and high school. And I, I was definitely more athletically gifted from an earlier age than Megan. Um, even like on our U4 team state team, like I was on the A team, she was on the B team. So actually growing up, it was kind of reversed. And then she, she went through puberty late. And so later in high school was when she like fully developed. And that's when she got on the US, I think it was the under 17 national team then eventually the under 19 and 21. And she actually missed the first semester of our freshman year of college because she was playing in the under 19 World Cup in Thailand. So later in, in our high school career and early college years, really when she like blew up and was on the national and international stage. Um, and it, I mean, it was exciting. Like Megan and I have always had a a really healthy relationship. There's never been any like envy or weird jealousy, like we're competitive for sure. And I think that's ultimately like what drove us um, and what helped us develop as competitors and as athletes. But, you know, we've always like been each other's biggest fans, biggest critics, but biggest fans as well. So, you know, but really she didn't get on that like big national stage until later. Um, and then obviously, you know, in our twenties is when she really blew up and became more of like a social justice icon and activist as well. Um, and it's been great. I mean, she's pushed me to, to use my voice and to, to do what I can in the lane that I'm in um, to affect change and to help with the, the bigger mission of equality and equity. Um, you know, all I can say is I'm just, I'm proud of her. I'm proud to be in this journey with her. Um, you know, we're as close as ever. She drives me nuts and I drive her nuts and we're not, you know, uh, apologetic about telling each other that, but, um, yeah, just very proud of her. That is awesome. I'm proud of her too. I think fighting for equality, if you're going to fight, fight for something that's meaningful and powerful and obviously fighting for equality and equal rights. And, um, I just think that's amazing. And what she has done, how she's used her platform of being a really good soccer, I mean, she's a really good soccer player, yeah. but she's an even better woman 
and a woman's advocate for equality and social issues and social justice. And a lot of the major conversation and topics that were happening this last year, obviously were surrounding, you know, Black Lives Matter and things like that, but her fighting for equality is definitely something I'm proud of her for because it would be, it's, it would be easier to probably just keep your mouth shut and, you know, just, do, but what's easy isn't always right. Mm-hmm. And what's yeah. right isn't always easy. And so she's fighting for a greater cause and not just for herself. That's one thing that I've noticed is it's not selfishness. It's that she's fighting for other women and future women, girls, and girls like my daughter that will know a better world because of the things that you and your sister are fighting for. So I just want to say thank you for that. I think that is incredible. Um, she is, she has blown up and what she's yeah. doing is impact. I mean, we were saying the whole world, you know, because of her soccer and now because of what she's doing and speaking out for equality is just incredible. Yeah. And I think, you know, equality, social equity, you know, social justice, um, it's of course important, but I think like the message the, the bigger message and more important message is that everyone in society needs to be protected. And if we can start by protecting the most vulnerable people, then universally everyone will benefit. And I think that's the conversation that, that you know, most activists and thought leaders are trying to have. And we need to get people to understand is like, let's protect the most vulnerable. Let's protect the disabled. Let's protect trans lives. Let's protect black lives. Um, non-binary or non-conforming lines, because inevitably, if we protect them, then we're, then everyone is going to benefit. And that should just be a universal right, you know? Everyone should be protected in society, and it starts with our government, and, you know, unfortunately, we just have hundreds of years of doing things a certain way, and it's going to take a long time to, to dismantle the system, but I think, I think it, it can happen, um, but strength in numbers, for sure, will help. Strength in numbers can create change. And it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen with one speech. It's not going to happen with one message or one person. Like you said, strength in numbers. I think of it like pushing over a refrigerator. You don't just walk up and push it over. Yeah. You got to get it rocking. You get a little momentum. And then you can push over the. <laughs> you got to have a plan for where it's going to fall. Right. How you got to pick ready. it back up. You got to be ready. Um, <laughs> We kind of touched on it, but I just want to hear your why. You know, why is it that you do what you do? Why is it that you get out of bed and do the things that you do? What is your why, Rachel? My why is I want to do things the right way. I, you know, and I know that like right and wrong isn't black and white, but I believe in honesty. I believe in integrity. I believe in, you know, not making yourself feel better at the expense of other people, um, especially vulnerable people. And, and really that's my why. And I'm, I don't consider, Megan and I like talk about this all the time because I don't necessarily consider myself an activist. Like for me, I just want to be on the right side of history and that's how I'm going to live every day of my life. And it's just going to be by example. And that's how I, I really like lead my companies too. I'm the CEO of Mindy and I don't like go around touting myself as that. I just, I do things the right way and the honest way. And I, I genuinely care about creating a work environment and creating products that benefit society at a, a broader level. Um, and that's really my why. Like I, th- I, you know, I'm a patient person. I understand that things take time. I understand that greatness doesn't happen overnight. And then it's something that you have to be conscious about every day. 
you can't cut corners. You got to do things the right way. And it takes discipline. It takes hard work, but in the end it's worth it. Um, and that's really just how I approach life. That's how I approach my business as well. So I'm a creator of things. I love building things, but ultimately it needs to impact society in a, in a positive way. I think that's incredible. I, I mean, I love that your actions speak louder than your words. If you're just saying one thing, but then living a different life, that's not going to make change. You know, I think, mm -hmm. you know, preach, but use words only when necessary. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, and if you were to preach, oh, equality and this, but you weren't living it. And I think the way you lead your company and what you're doing, it is your actions and that your humility, but also your confidence that I think really stand out about you. It's your, I'll say that again, your humility, but your confidence stands out. Just communicating with you and seeing what you've done. It's awesome. I am, I am really proud of what you're doing and um, the University of Portland's proud of you. So mm -hmm. what advice would you give to a current student at the University of Portland, maybe a woman soccer player, what type of advice would you give to somebody in that position that you were in? We won't say how many years ago. <laughs> I know, it God. Like that long ago, does it? It, it doesn't, doesn't, but man, I mean, I'll just say it's been over a decade. We'll they just leave fly, it at that. <laughs> they fly by, they fly by. So what yeah, advice really would you do. give to somebody that's a current student at the University of Portland? What advice would you share? What I will share is this, it really is about the journey and it sounds really cliche and it sounds really mundane. Um, and it's great to envision what you want in the long run. I think that's so important to know what it is out of this life that you want. Even if you don't know for sure what specific career or job you wanna have, start thinking about the type of life that you wanna build. Start there and then make decisions according to that. But just know that it's not about the end point. And I don't even know that you're ever really going to feel like you've arrived in life, because if you're truly a motivated, self-driven person, person, you're probably always going to want to chip away at other things. This was really hard for me to understand in my 20s. I was very anxious, and I just I felt like I was always living in the future, and I never really enjoyed the, the journey um, until I got into my 30s. And, you know, reflecting back, I just wish that I would have given myself a break. I wish that there were, there were so many moments where I should have just given myself a pat on the back instead of being hard on myself and criticize myself. And so I would just encourage you and just if I can impart any wisdom on you, just know that the journey's hard. It's long and it can be lonely at times and there's going to be ups and downs, but it's not about the end point. You know, it's the moments in between where you really learn and grow and can, you know, use that and apply it to life over and over and over again. And so enjoy those moments and don't be so hard on yourself because life is long. You know, I mean, some people say it's short, but I actually feel like life is pretty long. And so you gotta, you gotta take time to, you know, sit in those moments that maybe you're feeling lonely or hard and know you're going to get through it, but use them, you know, armor yourself with those types of teachable moments for your life. Enjoy the blabbling, but no, I feel you. I feel you. Enjoy the moment and the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Be patient with yourself. And it's really is about the journey. It's not about the end point because sometimes you get to the end point and it's not as great as you thought it was going to be. So, I mean, that can happen. You know, if you want to be a doctor and you work nine years to be a doctor and then all of a sudden you've arrived and like you're a full on doctor and you have a practice, like it may not be everything that you thought it was going to be, but it's about the journey, you know? Enjoy the journey 
don't just look at the destination. Make sure you're enjoying the moments because the moments are what make up your life. So if you're not enjoying the moment, you know, I would say be at where your feet are at. You know, I think that's one thing that not just looking to that next, what's next, what's next, what's next, because, you know, sometimes we're so caught up in what that next step is. Yeah. Right. That we don't enjoy the moments and being proud of where you're at, you know, and embracing adversity. Because if you didn't have those challenges, if you didn't have a, if you didn't have challenges along the way, I mean, being thankful for the tough times because that's what's going to make you a better person. And what you're really, yeah, it does. It helps you grow. It builds character. It builds resilience too. I mean, there are so many times where like, I mean, I traveled the world. I have been all over the place and had wonderful experiences. And, you know, I look back on some of those trips that I took to Southeast Asia or Africa or Europe, and I just feel like I didn't fully enjoy it because I was so worried about my career or so worried about finances or presenting a certain way or having all my stuff together. And, you know, I just wish that I, I could have been more present. Yeah. Be where your feet are. I mean, that, I actually have that in my every, I'm a, I'm an avid journaler. So I believe in like meditation and mindfulness. And I absolutely believe in, in, you know, envisioning the life that you want. Um, Cause if you can't see it, then how are you going to like ask for it? Um, but be where your feet are is, is like the first thing that I write in all my journals. It's just a constant reminder to be present because it's really hard, especially if you're driven. Like it's very hard to not be living in the future constantly. Um, and it's something that I really have not been able to do until just in my thirties. So much wisdom, so much wisdom. There. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that because I echo that, that it is, it's not about the destination because once you get to the destination, you know, and like you said, motivated people, you never arrive, you know, like you feel like you get to that goal, but then it's like, what's next? What's next? And if what you did yesterday seems big, you haven't done much today. Yeah. And another thing I, I really like to encourage people to do as well is like leave little doors of opportunity open because Sometimes people are so hyper-focused on the endpoint that they're missing maybe like a right turn or a left turn that might be better for them. But if you're so focused on being X or doing this thing, you might miss all of these wonderful opportunities along the way. And they don't necessarily have to derail your life, but um, life is funny. Life presents you with a lot of like wonderful little gifts and treats and um make sure that you're leaving those opportunities open, you know, because I would have missed out on a lot of different business opportunities or career opportunities if I was so hyper-focused on like being a doctor or doing this thing. Um, So that's something I would encourage people to do as well. I think that is important. I mean, you have to have goals, but making the best decisions every day and keeping options open more options Mm -hmm. or less options i want more options yeah be opportunistic be open for change change is the only constant really so be flexible be adaptable be open for change um you know i think of my path as like a as like a four-lane highway maybe five lane like i want to go in a certain direction but i've never been like this right? Like my direction's here. This is my four lane highway and I'm, I want to go north for sure, but I'm totally open to being in this lane or this lane or this lane. But, you know, I have, I believe in like having kind of like a clear path. Like for me, I love health and wellness and I love fitness and the sports industry. And I definitely want to be like heading in that direction. Um, but 
I mean, I never envisioned myself owning a cannabis sport brand and, you know, but I'm, I'm in that four lane highway and it just was one of the lanes that presented itself. And so I took it and it's been nothing but a blessing. Love it. Well, thank you so much, Rachel, for giving us some time and joining us. If you are a former student athlete at the university from the university of Portland, um, and you're watching this, you can get connected with the university portlandpilots.com backslash athlete or backslash alumni, sorry, portlandpilots.com backslash alumni. And if you're out there, if you're wanting to support student athletes, you can get in touch with on portlandpilots.com also assistance, you know, help student athletes like Rachel, myself, that were athletes there. But Rachel, again, thank you so much for your time. And I love what you're doing. I'm a big fan, um, supporter, anything I can ever do to help you, definitely don't hesitate to reach out. Once a pilot, always a pilot. Yes. Um, definitely want to support you and how I can and go pilots. Yeah, go pilots. Thank you for having me. Um, if you want to follow Mindy, it's at the Mindy Co on Instagram. Um, but yeah, it's been a pleasure chatting with you, Brant. It's great to connect and I hope all you guys enjoyed the conversation. Definitely. Well, thanks again. And say that website and Instagram one more time. So you can find Mindy at www.themindyco.com or you can follow us on Instagram at, at themindyco. Got it. Thanks, yeah. Rachel. Thank you guys. Have a wonderful rest of your day.